Good morning, church. It is so good to see you all this morning. I love and appreciate each and every one of you so, so very much. I'm so incredibly thankful for you. You may remember that a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about unity and oneness and togetherness and how important it was for God's people to be unified, how important it was for disciples to be unified. And I used a phrase that morning. You may remember I said that disciples don't do division. Disciples don't do division. And I was talking about that. And there was a young man here, a young boy, and he particularly liked that phrase. In fact, his mom said that his eyes lit up when I said disciples don't do division, not because he was particularly a fan of unity and oneness, but because he's not a fan of long division. You already knew where I was going with that, right? And, and I, as much as I, I understand where he's coming from, and I, I struggle with that too. I, I struggle with not only the unity part, but also the, the math part of it. I, I've always struggled with, with math. And in fact, I was thinking a lot about that this week, about over the years, what I've told myself about math, not just division, but all kinds of math. In fact, in college, I really struggled with college algebra, and I, I hate to even confess this to you, but... But in college, I actually dropped college algebra not once, but twice. And I convinced myself that I just couldn't, I couldn't learn it. I wasn't any good at it. I wasn't good at math. I wasn't ever going to be good at math. So instead of finding a tutor, finding a way to learn it, to get better at it, to improve at it, I just found a way around it. And I eventually found a way to get my degree without having college algebra. And I kind of patted myself on the back because I got around it. But I got to thinking about that and realized we, we tend to do that a lot, don't we? we? We would never let young people, we'd never let our kids, probably if we're parents, we'd never let them get away with that, with finding shortcuts or workarounds, letting themselves off the hook for learning something. We wouldn't let them use as an excuse, I'm just not good at this, I'm never going to be good at this, I'm never going to improve, I'm never going to grow, I'm never going to get better. We wouldn't let them say that, but we as adults, we say that a lot, don't we? We look at our spiritual lives and we say, you know what, I'm just not good at this, or I'm just not good at that, or I always do these kinds of things, this is just me, I struggle with this, or I struggle with that, or I'm not going to be any better at this, and I've just learned to accept it, and this is who I am, and I'm not going to get any better. So instead of learning, growing, we find shortcuts or workarounds, and we let ourselves off the hook. We do that constantly, don't we? Because learning is hard. Growing is hard. It's a struggle. And we realize that and we recognize that with young people. And we say, just push through it. Learn, grow, get better. Do something more. Get through this hardship. And on the other side, it's going to be worth it. But as adults, we sometimes don't want to go through the struggle. We don't want to go through the hardship. And so we find a shortcut or a workaround, or we let ourselves off the hook. And that's what this series this month is all about, is about growth. It's about saying no more shortcuts, no more workarounds, no more letting myself off the hook, no more saying this is just who I am, I, I, I'm just never going to be any better at this, I'm, I'm always going to struggle with this, I'm never going to grow, I'm never going to be better. This is a series about the Christian home, where we not only have expectations for young people, but we have expectations for ourselves. 
that every single one of us, regardless of our age, regardless of our role in the family, whether you're a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a son or a daughter or a sibling, no matter your role, going to get better. We are going to learn. We are going to grow. We are going to do the hard work of spiritual growth. In fact, we might put it this way, that a Christian home, a Christian home is where it's okay to make mistakes. A Christian home is, it's okay to make mistakes or it's okay to be mistaken, but it's never okay to stop maturing. Shouldn't that be the way that it is in our homes? Where it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to be mistaken, to not understand something as well as we should or as well as we could. It's okay to make mistakes or it's okay to be mistaken, but it's not okay to stop maturing. It's not okay to ever get to a point and say, I will never mature anymore in this area. I'm done growing. I'm done learning. It's really hard. Yes, it is really hard. It's really hard to learn. It's really hard to grow, but it's not okay to stop maturing. It's okay to say, this is where I am today. This is my understanding today. This is who I am today, but it's not okay to say, this is who I'll always be. My understanding will never be more than this. My knowledge will never be more than this. My maturity will never be more than this. It's not okay to say that. Regardless of our role, regardless of our age, if we are followers of Jesus, we have to keep maturing. We have to keep learning. We have to keep growing. We have to say, I'm going to do the hard work of learning. I'm going to do the hard work of growing. No more shortcuts. No more workarounds. No more letting myself off the hook. I'm going to continue to grow. And as families in our household, regardless of how big or small our homes are, our homes have to be a place like this, a place where it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to be mistaken, but it's not okay to stop maturing. We all are, we are all going to keep growing. We are all going to keep learning. Last week, we talked about one of those areas in which we should keep learning and growing. We talked about virtue. Remember, Peter says to add to or supplement our faith with virtue. And today we're going to talk about a second area in which we should keep growing. So look at 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. And you're probably going to get tired of this passage. You'll either get tired of it or you'll learn it, right? And that's what we do. We either get tired of something or we learn it. We either say, I'm bored with that. And if we're bored with that, that should mean we've learned it all. We've memorized it. It's not only in our head, but in our hearts. And, And I hope that by the time we're through with these seven weeks, that all of us have added these things to our hearts. So Peter says, his divine power has granted to us all things, all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now we spent a lot of time in this verse in these passages that last week, and we're going to continue to spend some time in these verses in the coming weeks, but I want us to recognize one thing right here, that growth requires at least two things. Growth requires at least two things. There are two things that if you're going to grow and you're going to get beyond where you are right now, spiritually speaking, 
If you're going to learn and you're going to grow, there are two things that you need. And I think this passage helps us to see the answer to those two things. One is your need. Your need. If you're going to grow and you're going to learn and you're going to get better and you're going to do better and you're going to be better, if you're going to get past where you are today, you have to recognize your need. That there is a need for growth. That that you are not yet who you need to be. That because of sinful desire, because of the corruption that is in the world, because of sinful desire, and, and that's not just out there, that's in here, isn't it? We still have sinful desire. Have we yet become, have we yet become in every single way his divine nature? No, we, we, we haven't yet become that in its fullness. We haven't yet fully, completely escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire that's still alive in each and every one of us. So we need to grow. And if we're going to grow, then we have to first admit and recognize and accept and embrace the fact that we need to grow. It's not okay to stay where I am. It's okay to be where you are, wherever you are in your journey of growth. It's okay to be there but it's not okay to stay there, that we need to keep growing. Jesus wants you to become like him. He wants you to escape from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. He wants you to be better, to become better, to grow and to be transformed. He wants that for you. So first, you have to recognize your need, but second, you have to recognize your ability, that there is the ability to grow. Sometimes we convince ourselves that we can't grow, that we can't learn, that we can't become better. This is just who I am. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. And I'm not going to ever get any better. I'm never going to get past this. I'm never going to be any stronger than this, any more mature than this. But that's in direct contradiction to what Peter says, isn't it? Peter says his divine power, God's divine power, Christ's divine power has granted to us some things that pertain to life and godliness. Is that what it says? All things, all things that pertain to life and godliness, they are yours. So when you say, this is just who I am, I I just, I'm this kind of a person, I get angry and I say things I shouldn't say and I I say rude things and mean things, that's just who I am, or I struggle with this and I give in to that and I do these kind of things, that's just who I am, I'm never going to be stronger, I'm never going to be better, I'm never going to get past that. That's not only pessimistic, it's almost blasphemous. It's not only pessimistic, (laughs) being rather negative, but But you're denying what God says about himself. Does the spirit of God dwell in you or not? And if God's spirit dwells in you, if these promises are yours, if his divine power has really granted to you all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness, then stop saying, I can't do any better. I can't be anything more than I am today. That's a lie. It's not only a lie about you. 
You, you don't feel so bad about lying about yourself, right? You don't feel so bad about saying something negative about yourself, but you have to recognize that when you are a disciple of Jesus and the Spirit of God lives in you and you say you can't mature beyond where you are today, you are not just saying something negative about yourself, you're saying something negative about God because God is working in you. God is working up on yourself. And it's time to stop giving up on our maturity. It's time to stop giving up on our growth. You can be a better husband. You can be a better wife. You can be a better father. You can be a better mother. You can be a better sibling. You can be a better follower of Jesus. That may not be who you are today. You may not be who you want to be. And guess what? None of us are. None of us are who we want to be. But his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have a need to grow and you have an ability to grow. And once we accept those two things, once we accept those two things that I need to grow, I need to add to my faith these qualities. In my family, in my relationships, as I follow Jesus, I need to grow, and he has given me everything necessary for me to grow. Once you accept those two things, growth will be so much easier, won't it? Once you admit, I, I need to, and I can, because of what he has done, because of what he's given me, I can grow. Look at verse 5. So Peter says, for this very reason, because of these very great promises, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And virtue with knowledge. So you have faith, that's your foundation, and you supplement, you build onto your faith virtue. We talked about that last week. And then you build onto your virtue knowledge. Now, when he says knowledge, it's, it's not just about having information, it's about experiencing transformation. Isn't it? It's not just about having information, it's about experiencing transformation. It, it's more than just recollection of facts, it's about comprehension of truth. Knowledge is more than just having information, it's about experiencing transformation. It's not just about recollecting facts, it's about comprehending the truth. See, we've gotten really good, haven't we, about systematizing and itemizing truth. We, we, we've gotten really good at taking the scriptures and just kind of systematizing everything and itemizing everything and making sort of lists about everything. And, and that's not all bad, but, but what's happened is sometimes we've, we've so done that that we think that just because we've memorized something, we know it. Think about that for a second. Just because you've memorized something doesn't mean you know it. Just because you've memorized God is love doesn't necessarily mean that you know what it is for God to be love. Just because you can say Jesus is Lord doesn't necessarily mean that you know what it means for Jesus to be Lord. There's a difference between memorizing things and knowing things. There's a difference between recollecting facts and comprehending truth. There's a difference between having information and experiencing transformation. 
This is the kind of knowledge about which Peter is speaking. Knowledge that transforms us. He's saying this is a quality that you need to have. This knowledge about Christ. Now, as we think about knowledge, we we tend to think about Scripture, right? And it's good to know Scripture. It's good to memorize Scripture. In fact, I've encouraged you this series to memorize this passage that we're talking about. But, But think about this, that you can't know God. Obviously, you can't know God without knowing Scripture. But you can know Scripture without knowing God. And I think we have to acknowledge that. You can't know God without knowing Scripture. There's no other way to really know Him without knowing Scripture. But you can know Scripture without knowing God. And there's been plenty of people to prove that, haven't there? In fact, the religious people of Jesus' day, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they knew Scripture, but they didn't know God. They they recollected information, but they didn't comprehend the truth. They they had the the information, but they didn't have the transformation that should have come with it. In fact, this is what Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. This is John 5. You think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The life wasn't just in the scriptures themselves. The scriptures themselves pointed to the one who was life. And who's that? Jesus. But the fact that when Jesus showed up, when the one who was the life showed up, they didn't know him or recognize him or come to him that they might have life. They knew the scriptures, but they didn't know God. So it's one thing to say, well, in my house, we talk a lot about God or we read a lot of scripture. But are we looking to the one that scripture is pointing to? Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. He says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to you be knowledgeable? You want to grow in knowledge? Then fix your eyes on Jesus. As we think about growing in knowledge in our families... Growing in knowledge as family members, fathers and mothers and husbands and wives, but also having homes where we say it's okay to make mistakes or to be mistaken, but it's not okay to stop maturing. As we think about having homes like that, we have to go beyond just, are we reading scripture? But we, we got to go there. Are we reading scripture? And we got to go to, are we looking to Jesus? Let me ask you a really important pointed question that that hits me between the eyes and steps on my toes as much as it will anyone here. How much does your family talk about Jesus? How often is Jesus' name specifically mentioned? Beyond just in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of your prayers. How often do you talk about the resurrection of Jesus in your home? How often do you talk about the lordship of Jesus in your home? 
How often in your home does it come up in everyday conversation, what does it mean for Jesus to be Messiah and King? How often do you talk about Jesus? What did Jesus tell us to do? We're very good most of the time at at talking about God in a very generic sense. Well, God doesn't like it when you do this, and God doesn't like it when you do that, or God wants us to do these things, or God wants us to do those things, and keep it very generic. And we may even be good at saying prayers, and we may even be good at reading Scripture, and all of those things are good, but you can know Scripture without knowing God because you don't know God. Jesus, my hope for our families, my hope for our homes is that we do more than create churchgoers, that we do more than create people who follow the rules, that we do more than create people that read the Bible. We do all of those things, yes, but that we are helping to make disciples of Jesus. Because in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So it's one thing to teach our families to follow the rules. It's one thing to teach our families to go to church. It's one thing to teach our families about God in a generic sense. But are we teaching them to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus? And they're not going to get that through osmosis. They're not going to get it just because we say this is a Christian house. The thing that makes our homes distinctively Christians is that we are focused on Christ. That Christ is constantly on our lips. That we are constantly talking about Jesus. This is who he is. This is what he has done. This is what it means to live in 2021 AD. AD 2021. In the year of our Lord. He reigns as king. What does that mean for our families? That should be something we're constantly talking about. Yes, I know it's fun to talk about the Cowboys or the Rangers or the weather or anything of politics or what somebody said on Facebook, but if Jesus isn't at the heart of our conversations, then we are not really pursuing knowledge. If Jesus isn't at the heart of our family conversations, then we as a family are not really pursuing knowledge because Paul says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if we are going to be families that pursue the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, then we have to pursue Jesus. We have to seek after Jesus. We have to be talking about Jesus. So Peter says, okay, you have faith. That's great. Wonderful. Have faith. As a family, you have faith. That's good. Now, supplement your faith with virtue. Add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. And then he says, after he finishes with these qualities, he says in verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are, what's the next word? Increasing. There's the key word right there, isn't it? If these qualities are yours, you say, well, I have knowledge. I know about Jesus. Nope, stop. Don't just have these qualities. Be increasing. How much? As much as possible. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and you have not yet plumbed the depths of his wisdom and knowledge, so keep increasing in these qualities. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Disciples. That's what we're trying to be and to make, right? That's what we're trying to be, disciples of Jesus, and trying to make. If we're parents, we want our children to be disciples, not just churchgoers, not just rule followers, not just Bible readers, but disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. In fact, the word disciple means student, a perpetual student. We don't just want our children to be perpetual students, perpetual learners. We want ourselves. We must be perpetual students, perpetual learners, perpetual disciples, where we never graduate from the school of discipleship. We're always increasing in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're always growing. I don't know about you, but as a parent of two young boys, I... I'm always thinking I, I need to teach them everything they need to know by the time they graduate, and that's kind of a daunting task, isn't it? You ever feel that way? Maybe even as a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, you feel like I, I need to teach these young people everything they need to know by the time they, they graduate. But then when we reflect on what our parents taught us or didn't teach us or how much we've learned since then, we reflect on the fact that we didn't learn everything we needed to know by the time we were 18, did we? Hopefully, we've, we've continued to grow and we've continued to learn. So maybe it isn't that we need to teach them everything they need to know. Maybe it's that we need to teach them everything they need to grow. Maybe we need to reflect on the fact that home, that home should be where we are learning everything we need to grow. Home is where we're learning everything we need to grow. We're always learning more information, learning more about Jesus, always opening our eyes a little wider to understand a little bit more of what does it mean that Jesus is Lord. We, we never arrive at the end of our learning, the end of our discipleship, always seeking after Jesus. And whether we're young or whether we're old or anywhere in between, then we have to be intentional intentional about making our homes a place where we are learning all we need to grow, all we need to continue to grow. And what, what does it take to grow? I think about passages like in James chapter 1. In James 1, he says, be quick to listen and slow to uh, speak, slow to speak, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And then he goes on to say, and in meekness, receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So how do we make sure that our homes are a place where we are learning all we need to grow? Well, we've got to make sure that our homes are one, a place where we have humble hearts. So keep your hearts humble. A place where we have open ears, we're quick to listen. A place where we have, or close our mouths, slow to speak. Have humble hearts, have open ears have closed mouths, and have our eyes fixed on Jesus. If we focus on doing that, on, on listening more than we speak, on having meekness and humility, and keeping our eyes on Jesus, then our homes could be places where we're learning, always learning, whether we're the parents or we're the children, whether we're the brothers or the sisters, whether the, the husband or the wife, no matter our role in the family, we're always learning all we need to grow. If we have our hearts are humble, our ears are open, our mouths are closed, and our eyes are fixed on Jesus.
then these are the kinds of homes that we will continue to generate so that we are being and making disciples of Jesus. And maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to begin your life of discipleship with being baptized. Baptism isn't the end of the journey of discipleship. It's the very beginning where we are born again to begin a life of learning, of being a perpetual student of Jesus. Where we're learning not just the things we need to know, but learning the things we need to grow. Learning to become more and more like Jesus. Or maybe you need prayers or encouragement. Whatever we can do to help you grow, we want to do that. You can visit with our shepherds in the back after service, or right now you can come forward as together we stand and sing this song.